Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. It's true, I still exist. There were doubts, I know. Afternoon show on a Tuesday after being gone since late, late, late on Thursday. What the hell happened to old Danny boy? But I'm okay. I'm actually good. I told you guys what was going on. Um, I'll admit today's show a little later than expected, but uh, just very quickly on the general concept of it, I initially I thought I'd, I'd we'd get back into town last night. To those that didn't watch our uh, late Thursday, early Friday episode, um, my family and I went to Yosemite over New Year's, or the Yosemite area, I guess I should say. No snow this year. They got a little bit on Saturday morning, but we were floating through. A good friend of mine from high school lives in the Bay Area. We kind of meet in the middle, get our kids together. It's a lot of fun. We've done it a couple of times, sometimes over President's Day weekend, sometimes near New Year's. But it does make for a difficult podcasting schedule. It's not like I can run a live show from a cabin in the middle of no place. So we did our big old show on Thursday night, covered the whole week in review, uh, streaming preview into this week because you got the overload days coming up tomorrow and Friday. And I thought that I'd get back into town yesterday in the evening, which we did. That part actually did come to fruition. We got back home Friday or uh, New Year's Day around dinner time. And I thought I'd be able to kind of dive in a little bit, get some, get caught up, maybe even do a storm. No. That wasn't happening. Because what I forgot in my mind, and I don't know why I forgot this, it takes a lot of effort to get two kids resettled at home after a vacation and unpack a, you call it a winter trip, because, you know, we're in, I'm in, live in West Los Angeles, so most of the time I wear this, a Super Mario Brothers t-shirt and jeans, and sometimes I throw on a hooded sweatshirt, you know, if it's frosty outside. So you got to pack a whole frickin' house to take two kids to a cold environment, Unpacking all of that is a load and a half. I didn't want to put out anything last night or even first thing this morning without making sure that I was truly caught up on the events. And so then it got to midday, lunchtime, early afternoon out here, and I thought, you know what? Nobody wants a recap of Monday at like 2 p.m. Pacific time on a Tuesday. That's a show that's going to have an hour and a half shelf life. That's stupid, Dan. Do something smarter. So this was my idea for something smarter, and it's basically to do another of our Friday type of shows, but this week we're doing it on a Tuesday because we had Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday games, basically four days' worth of games and even the last Thursday games since the last time I was able to bring you basketball, relevant fantasy basketball information. So that's what's going on on today's show. You can see it if you're watching live on YouTube. We've got the thread uh, or the... It's a Microsoft Word document loaded up, hovering to my right. Uh, it's a week 11 midweek recap thread. And instead of recapping an entire week's worth of games, we're recapping about five days' worth of games. That's the plan for today. Um, I don't think it'll take as long as our Friday shows do. Um, you know, we'll, well, I guess we'll kind of see how things go as we work our way through it. A lot of things are going to need explanation because, again, I haven't been able to give a lot of context over the last couple of days. Anyway, it's good to be back. Thank you all for hanging out with us, those that are watching live, after the fact, podcast channels, which, by the way, I'm realizing now we 
probably need to do a better job of promoting that there are like regular podcast channels where you can get all this good stuff. Um, Happy New Year. I don't know why I didn't start the show by yelling Happy New Year. We made it. 2024. My wife likes even numbered years. I don't know, man. 2020 was pretty terrible. Doesn't that blow it up? Happy Leap Year, everyone. We will have a February 29th O basketball this season. We are mere weeks away from the greatest uh, fantasy basketball day of the calendar year. That, of course, is Martin Luther King Jr. Day, where there are a bazillion games that run from the first moment you wake up out here on the Pacific Coast until the moment you go to bed. What a hell of a day that will be. That's I know Christmas is like start to finish but you got one game at a time mlk days like that like times two and a half that's the that's the fantasy basketball junkie day so anyway that's coming up all good things in january again happy new year thanks again everybody for all the listenership the follows whatever uh find me over on social media at dan vespers i am dan vespers and this is fantasy nba today a special sort of jumbo sized tuesday show Tomorrow, later on in the program, I'll tell you guys what's coming up the rest of the week because it, it is a little bit of a, a goofball week with me missing yesterday out for the, the New Year's Day holiday and being out of town and so forth. But listen, at this point, you guys are sick of my rambling. I just felt like we needed to get a few things resettled here. Let's dive in. Week 11 midweek recap will start with the ads over the last few days. Of course, one of them, and you know, burying the lead, I guess, a little bit, there was a relatively large trade that happened over the weekend with the Knicks acquiring OG Ananobi uh, and Precious Achua. But listen, I don't think we have to go too far down that rabbit hole. For Emmanuel Quickly and RJ Barrett, Barrett, prodigal son, returns to Canada. Quickly, who had been badly misplayed by Tom Thibodeau, just doghoused right from day one. Team decided they didn't want to afford to pay him. So uh, he's off. They got themselves somebody that they're presumably uh, much more excited about. Raptors got a young player who can score like you-know-what. And so on both sides of this, there are a few things to think about. The obvious one, of course, is on the Raptors' side. If you didn't add Emmanuel quickly already, you've beyond missed the opportunity to do so. I had somebody pop into my mentions and talk about how, oh, if Emmanuel quickly wasn't already on a roster, then you're in a, you're in a, you know, a lamer league He's a guy that absolutely had to be fully rostered everywhere. Uh, hello. He is outside the top 150 in 9-cat, so very much not someone that needs to be rostered everywhere. And on top of that, a lot of his value is tied up in the fact that he has delivered but one turnover. I get it. People love somebody who scores, but he's averaging 15 points a game pre-trade. This is not a guy that needed to be started every day, and he was doing more harm than good on every format. Points, 8-cat, 9-cat, whatever. In fact, he's worse in 8-cat than he was in 9-cat. Like I said, one of his good ones was turnovers. Good news is he's not going to be playing 24 minutes a game anymore. Toronto went and got him. That's the prize for OG and Anobi in this package. He's going to be taking far more than 11 shots per ball game, so expect his value to rise considerably, I would expect, points, threes, assists, number of free throws per game, probably also turnovers, all of that stuff on the rise. If he can keep his field goal percent at 45, uh, keep it sort of a medium-sized negative as opposed to a large one. It's not a big steals or blocks guy, but if you get him out there for another six minutes, maybe that gets him to about 0.8, 0.9 steals per game instead of 0.6. I don't know. 
We're sort of extrapolating. We're drawing the best fit line. Either way, uh, an extra basically 20 to 30% on top of everything he's doing right now very much does move him inside the top 100. And if you're punting steals, say, uh, and on a head-to-head side or either side, I guess, that adds to his value because he's not a very good steals guy. Very traditional shooting guard type fantasy build. Good scoring, good threes, good free throw percent, gaping holes that were not going anywhere while he was only playing 24 minutes for the Knicks. But look, that's the fantasy side. The reality side is he's a pretty good and fun basketball player, and the Raptors are going to turn him loose, and that's a guy you want to see how high he could go in fantasy. I think this moment might actually also be your best sell high window on quickly before people catch on that he doesn't do much besides score threes and free throw percent. So if you're in a nine-category league and you scooped him up super fast when the trade went down, and you're looking at it like, well, this guy's going to get me, I don't know, 18 points, maybe 19, two and a half to three three-pointers. I like that. But ooh, what am I going to do with three and some odd rebounds and three and some odd assists and like .8 steals and no blocks? Is this really going to be a guy who gets inside the top 75? I think that's debatable. Feels like 75 might be kind of the apex for quickly, but I mean, maybe there's a chance he could get like a round higher than that, but you could probably trade him for someone in that range right now. Someone's going to assume that he's going to go get 20 shots and that apparently Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam are just going to stop playing. And maybe the Raptors do trade Siakam. He's still on the block as far as we know. That would open things up even more, but for the time being... You're going to get more time. You're going to get more shots. That's very much true. And so perhaps the trend line isn't flat for quickly. Maybe it does arc up a little bit. But he doesn't have the fantasy profile to be better than like a top 60 kind of guy without adding assists or steals or improving upon his field goal percent. Some might be like, oh, well, what if he could be Tyrese Maxey? Maxey's at 46% from the field. They're not all that far off in that department. So look. First of all, Maxi blocks shots. Second of all, Maxi gets assists. Those are pretty big, two very large changes between these kinds of guys. Neither one rebounds all that well, so you could probably draw some parallels on the sort of scoring threes, free throw percent side and de- diminish pretty significantly the usage rate. So, I mean, we can't just gloss over things. Going from no blocks to half a block of ball game is important. You know, that's a difference of 35 to 40 blocks a season. That's a big deal. And going from three assists to six and a half, that's a big deal. So if you can sell quickly, as much as I'd like the simple answer is just to call him an ad here, which I I could have done and just moved on. But as I'm saying it out loud, it's like, look, if you can get like a 75 range guy for him, I think I would probably do it. Other names on the ad board, Josh Hart, Dante DiVincenzo are, I mean, they're kind of like above watch list right now. They look pretty good for the Knicks in the first game with Ananobi in there. DiVincenzo got the start. He had some three-pointers. Josh Hart had his 11 rebounds off the bench. That's what he does. It feels like it's easier for Hart to maintain fantasy value because the, the percentage, the field goal percent in particular, tends to be decent for him. He'll get you some threes, get you all those rebounds from the guard position. If I'm picking up either of them, I'm probably picking up Hart. If you can afford to wait just a little bit longer, that might be your best move. Just give it the tiniest bit, see what it looks like in that next ball game, and then move from there. 
Uh, people are going to ask me about Jay Nivey and why I'm not high on him at all. It's because I talk nine cat. And even when he's playing well, his nine cat numbers don't tend to be all that great because he's a bad foul shooter. Field goal percent is a, is sort of a smedium negative. Turnovers tend to be higher, although a little bit less this season, of course, with Cade Cunningham back on the ball dominant duty. Points leagues, and I'm I'm going to try to do a better job of slotting these remarks in. He is an ad. So I probably should have been clearer on that front. When I'm like, oh yeah, I'm not interested in Jaden Ivey. I'm not interested in him in nine cat. I don't think he can maintain nine cat functional play. Points leagues, yes, because the stuff he's bad at, at least two of them, are the things that are somewhat diminished in their impact on the points league side. I'm leaving Torian Prince on the ads board. I know that this is sort of like he's not a particularly exciting one, uh, but he's been number 62 over the last two weeks, 3.33 pointers, 1.6 steals. And the Lakers, after being healthy for like two games, are back to not again. D'Angelo Russell's missed a couple. Rui Hachimura strained a calf. Down they go. Down go the Lakers again. Uh, Darvin Ham is screwing with rotations, and players are in doghouses, and Lakers can't rebound at all. And Prince is part of that problem. He doesn't rebound, but he can shoot. And the Lakers are trying to strike a balance between can we guard anybody and actually clean the glass, and, like, what if we have a guy that's wide open because Anthony Davis and LeBron are on our team? That guy's been Torian Prince, and they just... They're shoveling minutes to him because he's the only guy with an outside shot on the whole damn team right now. Simple solution, simple answer, at least on that one. Put him on your fancy basketball team. And then Trace Jackson Davis, who started in the Warriors' last game. That was a big deal because his minutes were wildly in flux. But at least if you're starting, it's not that you're guaranteed 20 minutes, but it's damn easy to get to 20 minutes because you you start the game, let's say you don't completely ruin things in like the first seven, eight minutes. If you can do that in the first and third quarter, you're already at 16, 17 minutes. And then presumably, the guys that come in to spell you will get tired. Even if they played 13, 14 minutes in a row, that still leaves three or four minutes at the end of each half. So now you're basically at like 20 minutes, even if you're playing poorly. And on a better night, as we saw, you know, mid to high 20s in minutes, he's an easy start. So make sure he's back on rosters here. He was someone that, I think we called a uh, sort of see-how-it-goes ad going into the Christmas. They had a three-game and four-night deal going into Christmas. And I was like, well, let's see how this thing goes. And his minutes were bouncing around. But they gave him a longer look, and we should too. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. 
Next board is the holds board, and there's a lot of names on the holds board. Some of them who perhaps don't need to be there, but I'm putting them there anyway because, damn it, I do what I want. Uh, let's see how many of these guys actually need explanations. Here's the holds for now. Aaron Neesmith, who's coming off a poor game, but he's been starting for the Pacers, so he's got to stay in there, and he's the guy that they all talk about. You know, He's the guy who makes us want to run through a brick wall. He's the guy that plays with such heart all the time. He's the guy... He's the glue guy. He's the guy that all, really all the teams in the NBA need a dude like that, who's just like going full tilt all the time. Pacers won four games in a row, mostly because Tyrese Halliburton's been insane, uh, but you're holding on to Neesmith. Dennis Schroeder is a hold. Uh, well, I do want to see how this thing shakes out because the Raptors effectively gave up one big rotation guy and one kind of small rotation guy for two like medium to large rotation guys in quickly... Uh, and R.J. Barrett giving up Achua and, uh, and Ananobi, who is also playing a lot of minutes. I don't know that Schroeder's role changes all that much. He's sitting at number 118 on the season in 9-cat, mostly because his assists are at 8. But he hasn't really been a positive in anything else so far this year. After that very hot start when he was averaging like 17 points and 9 assists, he hasn't really scored since then. The steals and the threes have come back down to career marks for him. And so, yeah, you know, end of the 10th round guy now. Funniest thing, funny thing, and that's over the last two weeks, I should say, not in the season. Funny thing is that over the last two weeks, Trace Jackson Davis in only 23 minutes a game is actually ranked ahead of Schroeder. And if you're like, oh, well, it's because of turnovers. I mean, Schroeder's only at 1.6. Jackson Davis is at 1. That's not the big thing there. The big thing with Schroeder is that he's really kind of a one, one-and-a-half trick pony, and... I mean, people are still coming to me like, Dan, you really whiffed on Schroeder. It's like, what? Did you just stop paying attention after the first three weeks of the season? He's fine. He's a hold. I mean, we're talking about him in the context of him being a hold on this weekly show or this now biweekly type of show, but he's not a game changer the way it looked like he might have been the first three weeks of the year. His teammate, Gary Trent Jr., I'm holding for now. That one has a shorter shelf life, I think. I just kind of want to see if if uh, Trent has... Does he have a path to, like, 28 consistent minutes? I think the answer is no. And given the fact that the sort of gambling defense, the Nick Nurse get-all-those-steals defense, has been, to some degree, replaced this year on the Raptors... If you take the steals away from Gary Trent, there's just not a whole lot left there. You know, it's like that. It's pretty, but maybe Trent needs a little makeup to be pretty fantasy-wise. Another guy that I'm holding for now is Colin Sexton. I figured he would dry up when Jordan Clarkson came back, and it's been mostly still good for him. But a little bit of a mixed bag. He's number 107 over the last two weeks. He's another guy who uh, appears better because, because our eyes gravitate to scoring. He scores well. His assists have been okay lately. It just like it feels like he's on the way to trending down. I think we can hang on because who knows? I mean, someone could easily get hurt tomorrow in Utah. And he hasn't been so awful that's like a mandatory drop. And frankly, like most of those games have been pretty playable. But the last one, only had, he only had 19 minutes. There was a blowout in effect. 
Eight points, three boards, six assists. The issue is, of course, Sexton doesn't shoot that many threes. He doesn't get that many steals. So he's going to have to score, hit a bunch of foul shots, and do it extraordinarily efficiently basically every night to cover up the shortcomings. So again, not an indefinite hold on Sexton, but certainly a short-term one. Let's see how this whole thing goes, because Utah messes with their lineup every day. They've been playing better lately, so I guess, you know, whatever, Will Hardy. Keep throwing your guys into a carousel, see what happens. But at some point, someone's going to have to win out, maybe, or maybe they all lose, like the Pacers have been for a couple years here. Uh, Buddy Heald, kind of the same story. He's been certainly much worse coming off the bench, but overall he's been good enough coming off the bench. His minutes have trended down. The threes are staying up a little bit. But, again, like not having that secured playing time, those secure shots, I do think there's a very real chance we end up punting on Buddy Heald and Colin Sexton and Gary Trent all within the next week. But I'm just going to give it a little bit longer in case something jostles loose for any one of those three guys. They're kind of they're kind of all three in the same general boat for me. Not not necessarily the same stat set, but just the same approach, which is like, eh, it looks like things are on the in the wrong direction here, but let's make sure they get all the way there. I don't want to be too rash. He said, while also noting that we had a couple of pretty good ads for the week. Malik Beasley, who does have a similar stat set, he's been hanging on, hanging on. It's that same thing, not an indefinite hold. Uh, Beasley's defensive stats have really dried up. He's pretty much done nothing besides take and sort of make three-pointers over the last couple of weeks. He's been, like these other names I just mentioned, serviceable. Number 84 over the last week, 15 points on almost five three-pointers a game, shooting 58%, but he's done nothing else, nothing else. He's another guy who feels like maybe by the end of the next week, he'll move into my stream-while-warm group of players, which is growing, by the way. The more basketball we take in, the more I can sort of slot guys into that joint. Derek Lively, the second, needs to be rostered. I know, I know, everybody's like, well, are we really sure? Because, like, there's all these bad games mixed in with the good ones. Yeah, he's got to be rostered. Because when he's getting consistent playing time, he does enough. Sometimes it's big game, little game. Sometimes it's okay game, okay game. And that can be frustrating. I get it. But the blocks are there. The rebounds are there. The field goal percent is there. And then we just got to make sure that, you know, there there isn't that one game every three where he gets taken to school by a veteran of the NBA, and, and then everything will work out okay. That's Derek Lively. Malik Monk is a hold. I, that was one that I probably needed to have on this board uh, maybe before his last Gigantor ball game because he woke back up in a huge, huge way. Pushed himself back up to number 128 on the season in 9-cat. Uh, it was a slow start, kind of a big middle about a week-long cold spell, which I do think may have had something to do with that sore foot, but he looked great his last time out, so this is a name that I probably could have just, you know, taken a fountain pen and crossed off before going on air. But whatever, he was in there as I was doing my research, so screw it. Uh, D'Angelo Russell is hurt for the Lakers. Something weird going on in L.A. They've benched Russell. They won't let Austin Reeves start. They're... I actually liked the idea of moving Rui Hachimura into the starting lineup, and then he got hurt, you know, seven minutes into the ball game, and he'll be out for a couple of weeks probably. Cam Reddish is not playing every every day right now. He's still banged up. I, I like I don't really know what the hell's going on with the Lakers as a team. 
I do know that at some point, D'Angelo Russell is going to get some more playing time because offensively, he's just so much better than all these other guys. And uh, like the fact that he's not a great defender or rebounder, is just it shouldn't be that big of a deal during the regular season if you have Anthony Davis behind you and just like anybody else competent on a basketball court. So hold because something's going to give. Max Struess is on the holds board, and I know everybody's going to be like, Dan, what the hell, dude? He's been terrible lately. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Because over a month now, Struess has been shooting 32% from the field for a month. That is an icy chill. An icy chill. But you want to know what else is going on there? Over that same month, he's playing 34 minutes a game, averaging 4.5 rebounds, almost 4 assists, 1.4 defensive stats, and almost 3 three-pointers. The only thing missing here is that his field goal percent is in extreme, extreme punt mode. And I've made this mistake with players before. I will not make it again. Of giving up on somebody when there's very when there's one extremely obvious statistic that's not running right. On the season now, he's dropped under 40% from the field. He's at 39.4, and he's ranked number 99 in 9-cat on a per-game basis while, in my eyes, shooting almost as poorly as it could go over the span of a full season. But he's still playing a ton of minutes. He was among the league leaders in minutes played because he's largely been healthy so far this year, last I checked at least. Uh, I don't know why the free throws are only at 79 and change. Whatever, doesn't matter. He barely takes any. But rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, all that stuff is better this year than anybody expected. And now all we need is for that field goal percent to just wiggle back up into the low to mid 40s. Give me 43. I don't care. I don't need 46. Give me 43%. But on the number of shots he's taking right now, that ends up being a really, really big deal. I mean, 33% for a month, people. That's way down. Fix that. Points, threes, field goal percent all float up. Pretty easy call in my eyes to hang on. Uh, but you can bench him if you want to because his shooting right now is killing Roto teams. Grayson Allen remains on my hold board, not just because Kevin Durant was out, uh, although that certainly doesn't hurt, but just because he's been one of the most efficient players in the entire NBA over the last month. Grayson Allen's number 25 in his last 10 ball games, going like full Derek White mode here. 15 points, almost three threes, four boards, two and a half assists, 2.5 defensive stats. Okay, he's not going full Derek White because he's number seven over that stretch. But 53.5% from the field, 95 at the free throw line. Could he completely dry up when all three superstars are back for Phoenix? Yeah. Is this efficiency sustainable? Nah. But does sure feel like he's the fourth guy that's not Yusuf Nurkic in that main group that he's kind of played his way to being the other dude. Hold. And finally, Jalen Suggs, who's been kind of a little hit or miss lately. Had a couple of big ball games. He's had a couple of bad ones. Free throw percent has been a little bit low. The minutes have bounced around because of injury. The number of field goal attempts have bounced around. He's only at .8 steals over the last month per game. I think it's health. So in my eyes, that's another really good reason to just hang on because that's the type of thing that usually sorts itself out. And so I'm going to go ahead and assume that it will. 
Uh, hey, we're, you know, 27 minutes in. Seems like a good time at any to remind you guys to go and uh, like and subscribe. However you're taking in the show, traditional pod channels, and whatever you can do to help spread the word. I know that this is like such a lame thing to ask, but I got to ask it. Please try to help spread the word somehow about some anything that we're doing here at Sports Ethos or whether it's just something that I'm doing or all of the above. A like, a retweet over on social a subscription on pod, a like, and a subscription on YouTube, all of those things, a, resp- a reply, a comment, whatever, everything does a little bit to help us continue to grow this thing. Really would mean a lot to me to uh, to have you guys behind that. And I don't know, so I, listen, I was talking to, uh, I, was, I, I mentioned at the beginning of the show that I, I meet a really good buddy of mine and his family uh, in Yosemite. We try to do it once a year. We're in Los Angeles. They're up in San Francisco. We visited them up north in uh, end of August, I think it was. And they talked about how, like, literally, if you leave anything exposed in your automobile right now, it's probably going to get stolen. And it, it got me thinking about one of our partners here and how using the Internet without ExpressVPN, our partner, is like leaving your keys in your car while you run in to make a quick errand, whatever it is. Maybe you like go into the, an AM PM at an ARCO or something. You need a, you need a bottle of squirt and a, a package of sour straws. He said, while definitely not referring to a thing he's done hundreds of times before driving the grapevine in Southern California. Look, most of the time you'd be fine. Leave your keys, leave your wallet in the car, run inside. Guess you need your wallet to pay. Uh, Come back out, 90 seconds, no big deal. But what if you came back 90 seconds later to see, some, to see somebody hopping into the driver's seat and taking off with your car? Why would you do it? You wouldn't. You'd just put your car keys in your pocket because it takes no time at all and protects you from that low probability of complete disaster. What's the ROI on leaving your car keys? This seems like a lot of work. It's not. Every time you connect to an unencrypted network, cafes, hotels, airports, whatever, any hacker on that same network can gain access to your personal data, passwords, financial details, etc., all that stuff. And it doesn't, it's not that hard for them. A computer-savvy 12-year-old can do it, and then they sell your info for a thousand bucks on the dark web, means nothing to them. They get a thousand bucks. They doesn't. They don't care what happens to you. Your whole life just wrapped up in a grand. Use ExpressVPN. Stop those things from happening. That's you taking your keys into that ga- damn gas station mini mart with you. It takes no time at all. You fire up the app. You click one button. That's it. Phones, laptops, tablets, your router. Then. It takes a hacker with a, su- a supercomputer a billion years. So it's like somebody then trying to hotwire your car while you're just standing there, you know, tapping your foot on the ground like, listen, I can wait here, but I've already called the cops. They're already on their way. I love ExpressVPN personally because it's easy. Because I don't want to go through a bunch of hoops to protect myself, but going through one very large, easy hoop? Simple. I pick my keys and I put them in my pocket. So secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash hoopball. That's express, E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P 
thespn.com slash hoopball, and you can get an extra three months free on your subscription. Expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Go there today. All right, here's the I'm Scared and Nervous crew. (laughs) Such a silly name for it. I couldn't come up with something better. Come on, Dan. So Herb Jones had a slightly better ball game against the Lakers, and then I was like, let's dig a little bit deeper on this one, he said, and realized, of course, that Trey Murphy was out for that ball game because this is one that I was trying to watch on my phone uh, while dealing with four lunatic children in Yosemite, trying to watch the Laker game, stay up to date. Yeah, I mean, pretty much a one-to-one correlation at this point. When Trey Murphy's around, Herb Jones doesn't get enough to do. So maybe he slots in as an injury replacement at this point. Gordon Hayward was on this board on Friday. I'm doubling down on that one. He's hurt and he's not good anymore. Magic centers. Wendell Carter Jr. had a slightly better ball game, but I I mean, look, we've seen enough of him to know he's not a nine-cat guy. If you wanted to hold on to Wendell on the points league side, you could convince me to buy a little bit more time, and that's fine. Zach Collins hurt right now. Um, and we talked about him a little bit on that late Thursday, early Friday show, uh, just because this whole, like, Wembenyama is only going to play 24, 25 minutes of ball game. He's not going to play back-to-backs. The, honestly, this is a lot. The Spurs always got to, like, reinvent the wheel with this sort of player, this load management stuff. This Wembenyama thing reminds me an awful lot of, like, uh, a, a AAA reliever coming up who's never thrown more than 75 innings in a year. And then they're like, you know what, dude? You're going to start, but you're only going to go through the lineup one time, two, two and a half innings, and we'll play again in five days. And there isn't really that much data on what happens at the end of all of this. But damn it, the Spurs are going to do it. And while we're on the topic of Collins's, uh, John Collins has lost his aggression. I thought he would start the year with the whole lot of like, oh, yeah, I got to prove that I'm more than I was in Atlanta. And now he's just fallen back into this whole, you know, Utah rotating cavalry of of players. And, you know, he got off to a pretty good start um, when Walker Kessler went down and Collins was playing center. That was pretty good. Last month, he's at 12-7 and seven with 1.5 defensive stats, which puts him basically right on good stream type of level. And that's okay. I'd do good stream level for John Collins, but does that mean you need to have him on your roster all the time? Nah. Watchlist has a few of the same names from uh, Friday morning show uh, and a few new ones. Uh, Julian Champagny out in San Antonio. Um, starting, but I don't think he's going to get anything going there. Io soon moves on my watch list, although we did get news today that Zach Levine is progressing. What that means, we'll find out soon enough. Um, I had him as a buy low name last week. You could probably still buy low on Levine, because I'm guessing a lot of people didn't see that news. They've slipped by. We had it on our Ethos Fantasy BK feed, for whatever that's worth, but it might have slipped by somebody, because it was a Billy Donovan quote. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, and he got reassigned. Zach Levine got some practice in with the Windy City G League Club. And if Levine really does come back and play for the Bulls again, then a whole lot of stuff gets screwed, which, you know, Kobe White's uh, <laughs> interesting season, terrible start, insane, like, three- to four-week run after the awful start, and then he's been pretty bad again lately. That gets derailed, whatever that is. Uh, Dasunmo is not going to be close to useful 
once Levine comes back, I think Patrick Williams probably also falls into that. Not really close. Um, Andrew Wiggins has had a couple of okay games, like two of his last three-ish. I had Rui Hachimura on this list. Now he's hurt. We don't have an exact timetable on him, but he's still watchable, I think, because it seems like they wanted to get him into the starting lineup, which, like, that's good, because he's out there, and he'll he'll take shots. He's not afraid to be aggressive. Um, but if he's out for, like, two weeks, then obviously you're not going to do anything with it. Alec Burks, he's been scoring a lot, but his minutes haven't been that high, which is why I can't get him above watch list. Uh, Amon Thompson in Houston, they've got a bunch of guys out. He played more in the last one because it was a blowout. Um, but who knows, maybe they ramp him up a little bit here with all the various injuries to key players on the Rockets. Simona Fontecchio out in Utah. He has a good one. He has a bad one. He has another bad one. He has another bad one. He has a good one. He has an okay one and then a bad one and then an okay one and then maybe a good one again. Not enough good ones. And then Keontae George, while we're on the topic of Utah, uh, he plays, he doesn't play. He plays, he doesn't play. He's a long-term stash kind of guy, which puts him on my watch list. And the reason I really am not all that excited about Keontae George right now is that Utah has actually been winning some ball games by playing some of their more veterany type of guys. Jazz are ten and five at home, which is, I mean, you know, that's a record that is up there with like the good teams in the West. They just happen to be five and fourteen on the road. But they've won two in a row. They won seven of their last ten. That's one of the better last ten records in the Western Conference right now, and certainly among teams that are uh, flopping around under 500. It's far and away the best mark. And they've done it without giving Keontae George the keys to the team, and I don't think they're giving him the keys until March. So can you wait two and a half more months? I cannot, personally. And the stream while warm category plus other. I have to an add an other to this because you guys know you recognize Bobby Portis, Nas Reed, and Cole Anthony from the stream while warm list from last week. I've added Kelly Olynyk, who I thought was a stream while starting, but he's really more of a stream while he's sort of in Coach Hardy's good graces, which he is right now. And then we don't know when that might disappear, but he's getting enough assists and rebounds to sort of. Uh, cancel out the bad shooting games or the non-shooting games, if you want to call them that. Kevin Love is warm right now. He's streamable while warm, as is Denny Avdia, who started the year strong, had about a five-week stretch where he was terrible, and he's been good again for the last, like, two of the last three ball games, something like that. So that now is the stream while warm slash stream while, I don't know, like, logistically positive, if you're talking about Olenek guys. We've added to that list, and then this is the one that I was sort of deep breathing before. The injury replacement board is smaller. It's smaller today than it was on Friday, uh, mostly because Kawhi Leonard and Kyrie Irving came back. So, yay! Those guys are on a lot of my teams. Because they are old and hyper-efficient. And it took some names off the board here, but let's see who's left. Andre Drummond for Vooch. Al Horford for literally any Boston starter at all because Drew Holiday was out and Al Horford started for him. <laughs> Silly, I know. You know, they're just, there aren't handcuffs in the NBA anymore outside of like sometimes a center. But Al Horford is a center and he started when the point guard was out. They just moved Derek White down to point. 
Brown down to shooting guard, Tatum down to small forward, and Chris Stapps stayed at center. Anyway, uh, Karis LeVert while Darius Garland is out, Kobe White while Zach Levine is out, as uh, Patrick Williams also saw Zach Levine. Brandon Miller with LaMelo Ball out, P.J. Washington with LaMelo and Gordon Hayward out. Sadiq Bey is a stream while DeAndre Hunter is out. Nick Richards for Mark Williams, who is now, uh, he's missed like a month at this point. They won't say what the hell's going on. Grayson Allen, uh, I had him on this board with Bradley Beal out. I should have changed the name Beal to Durant because he had another big ball game here with Durant out. But Grayson Allen might just end up being like a straight hold. So, you know, as we talked about, don't punt on him. Should have just taken him off this board. That would have been more clear, but whatever stupid Dan. Malcolm Brogdon, I did manage to change the name in this one. Brogdon was a start when Sharp was out. Sharp is back. Simons is out. He's got that respiratory thing. So start Brogdon while Simons is out now, and then reassess when Simons comes back, which could be as soon as tomorrow, I believe, right? Or is that tonight? Does Portland play tonight? Hi, guys. I'm Dan. I'm supposed to be knowledgeable about who's playing on what night. No, that's tomorrow. Portland plays tomorrow. Yeah, okay. Got that one right. Good, good, good. Uh, Jaime Jaquez Jr. when Jimmy Butler is out, and Duncan Robinson when it's both Butler and Caleb Martin out. And that is your injury replacement board, which, again, not nearly as grotesque as it was even as recently as late, late, late on Thursday night. Uh, I do want to take a couple of questions from the chat room if I can find a few. I think there were a, f- a couple things in here I saw as I was skimming that hit on players that I didn't discuss. And if I could figure out where those were. Hey, I want to get this one up there. This is Reese Harmon. Hey, Dan, firstly, I just wanted to say that I ordered a lawnmower using your code two years ago. Use it almost every day, and it is still going strong. Fully recommend to anyone out there. Bingo! Manscaped.com. But Reese also has a really interesting question. Second, is it just me or are steals really tough to get this season? I feel like so many players have a lower steal rate this year, while a few key players like Shea are still up. What has changed? So, Reese, you're both right and wrong. Because a lot of the usual dudes are right where we expected them to be. Shea, obviously, like you mentioned. Marcus Smart, more limited sample size, but his steal rate is good. Spida, Melton. Thibel, Darren Fox, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, like Jalen Suggs, DeJounte Murray's at 1.5. There are a lot of names that are doing fine, and even Trey Young is at a very a goofy 1.4 steals per game this year. LeBron's steal rate is back up. I think that you, like me, and like all of us at times, Reese, we are kind of prisoners of a few key moments, and one of them... Maybe the most obvious one is Freddie Van Vliet, who's, I mean, still having a perfectly reasonable season. Uh, He's number 37 right now. Only at 1.1 steals. Every time it looks like he's about to get that number up to 1.3, 1.4, it just sort of levels off a little bit. Now, he's at his ADP right now, so there really aren't any complaints, and he's been largely healthy so far this year, so I don't think anybody's super upset about it. But I think Jalen Williams would be another example. He's at 0.9 steals per game. That's not where folks wanted it. OG Ananobi is another example of a of a steel specialist type who's only at 1.0 this year. So there's kind of three guys that were drafted heavily for their steals, but then aren't getting it. But at the same time, a lot of other guys are. 
So I don't know that steals are necessarily down. I think you're just seeing sort of the weirdness that can happen in an NBA season. And in this case, it's happening to three very steals-specific players who haven't been able to get to where we expected them, but others have been. It is weird, though. Andre asks, how was Yosemite? Um, not that cold this year. Um, we've had, this is, this is the fourth time that we've done this with, uh, with my good buddies to meet kind of in the middle there. Uh, twice we've almost been blizzarded in power outages, the whole thing. Um, one time we drove from, I don't know if people know where Oakhurst is, but it's, you know, it's like 30 ish minutes outside the, the main gates to Yosemite national park on the, on the Southern side. Um, one year we stayed there and drove in, did the journey in, and it was a, a chaotic mess. Um, but at least all three of those years, we we did see snow. This is the first time there was literally no snow. You know, we had the super wet, super snowy 2022-23, like, wintry campaign, and it has been quite the opposite so far this year. In fact, it rained pretty hard in and around Los Angeles last week, and they didn't get any of that in the Sierras. So uh, a lot of fun, but didn't feel like a winter trip to Yosemite. Felt like a cold fall trip. Still had a blast, though. Um, Let's see what else we got here. Delonte says his Manscaped order arrived today. A lot of Manscaped stuff going on in the chat room. That's awesome. Cool, man. Everybody else should get that, too. I know today was ExpressVPN live read day on the show, but... Um, our buddies at Manscaped, that's promo code ethos20, ethos20, for 20% off and free shipping over at Manscaped. Remember, the ExpressVPN one is expressvpn.com slash hoopball. It's not a code, it's a website, it's a URL. Uh, Hello says, is Marcus Smart a must-add if he was dropped? Yes, we've had him on our ads board for a few weeks in a row, going back to kind of stream time, so Absolutely. Baby Stay Flow says, I got the number one seed as of right now with a 7-3 record after 10 weeks of fantasy hoops. Thanks, Dan, for sharing your knowledge. You're lots of help. Hey, my pleasure. Grabbing Jalen Johnson, best advice you gave me. And I'll take all the credit on that one because the B-150 was like, you could probably draft him in the eighth round and you'd be happy. Well, <laughs> yeah. Um, Let's see here. Would you trade Emmanuel quickly for Bradley Beal? Yeah, I'll go get Bradley Beal. Sure. Although, here's the thing on that one. Um, we kind of know what the Beal cap is this year, and it's 50. If Toronto shuts everybody down in March, you guys are going to be pissed at me if I tell you to do this trade. I'm really more thinking about between now and silly season, so if your league ends before that, I'd rather have Beal. Um, and then Roto, i definitely rather. Emmanuel Quickly or Kobe White? Ah... I think I'd rather Emmanuel quickly, which I know makes no sense at all. Uh, but now we're getting all this this stuff about Zach Levine coming back, and we've all been reminded of Kobe White's gigantic fantasy holes. By the way, he's back outside the top 100 on the season, friends. Um, he is not officially Steph Curry. He went on a Steph Curry-like run for three weeks, and uh, folks anointed him the greatest player in the history of mankind. Obviously, he's a lot better with Levine out. But if he comes back, I mean, we saw Kobe White. When Zach Levine was healthy, Kobe White was outside the top 180. There's almost no way that Quickly's going to be outside the top 180, pretty much no matter what the Raptors do the rest of this year. 
Is Trey Murphy a hold? Yes, he is. Is Andre Drummond worth holding long-term? Mm, I mean, I don't know what long-term. It's worth holding, I think, until Vooch comes back because he's grabbing freaking 20 rebounds a game right now. Um, Are we seeing Marcus Smart just as a steals guy? Yeah, I mean, I think so. There's a few. I, I know what you mean here, old man in the sea. Um, yeah, steel specialist is what it seems like. I think the hope for me is that he settles into a nice role, sort of complementary to Ja and Bane and JJJ. And I, he really could keep up a crazy steals rate all year, which should make him valuable enough on that front. And then you just kind of hope that he can get you a little bit of other stuff along the way, and that would ultimately be enough. Whew. Okay, we're caught up. There will not be time for another show today. It's obviously way too late in the day. Games start in a half an hour. Uh, tomorrow will likely be a two-show day recap, um, hopefully a buy low, and then we'll kind of get a feel for what's happening in the rest of the week. We'll probably do another show just like this one on Friday with all the recap stuff, um, but we'll kind of see how things shake out, if any news breaks, things of that nature. I am, of course, at Dan Bruce over on social media. Please, 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 please like, subscribe, rate, and review, all that good stuff. It's a big deal. It really is a big deal. Find me on social. Please do continue to tell folks that maybe you aren't, you know, play fantasy sports, but aren't in your league. I get it. Nobody wants to tell their league mates about the thing they're listening to that helps get them an edge, but we got to grow and we want to get our tentacles into more um, beginner leagues, which I get it that tougher because beginner leagues, these people are probably not listening to very dry fantasy podcasts like this one, but that's the goal. That's the next step. So whatever you can do. Again, thank you all for listening. Appreciate you giving me a few days to rest the old pipes. They're still beat up because I yell at kids every day. Are they mine? Hope so. I'm Dan again. We'll see you guys tomorrow, everybody. Welcome back and Happy New Year.